This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. A video of the talk is also available along with more downloads at our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. So, what in the world is going on? Well, this is a question that I've heard asked several times recently. I think it's fair to say that the last few years, and 2016 in particular, have been momentous years in terms of world events. Now, in 2016, there were two major political earthquakes, which I think it's fair to say most people didn't predict. Britain's decision to leave the European Union and the decision by the American people to elect Donald Trump, a man with no political experience, to be the then next president and so-called leader of the free world. I'd like to look at these events uh, and other events in more detail in a moment, but I think it's fair to say the 21st century has seen many momentous events which have prompted people to ask what in the world is going on. As I'm sure we remember all too well, September the 11th, 2001, is a day which will, go, which will go down in infamy. Although it was around before that day, 9-11 is a day which really announced to the world the threat posed by Islamic fundamentalism. On October the 12th, 2002, Islamic suicide Bombers killed 202 people at the resort of Kuta in Bali, Indonesia. On the March the 11th, 2004, a series of bombings carried out again by Islamic militants killed nearly 200 people on trains in Madrid. As I'm sure we all remember, on Ju July the 7th, 2005, suicide bombers killed 56 people on trains and buses in London. And on the 11th of July the same year, bombs planted on the train system in Mumbai, India, exploded, killing 209 people. And as we've seen recently, people really are on edge these days with the rise of the lone wolf ISIS attacks in Europe that we've seen in 2015, 2016 and 2017. Germany, France and Belgium were all targeted by suicide bombers in 2016. Uh, and as we've seen this year, the United Kingdom's been targeted in 2017. And these lone wolf attacks are so frightening because intelligence agencies say they are so hard to identify and predict. The Brexit vote in June last year was something that I think it's fair to say not a lot of people expected. I've heard it said that even Boris Johnson and Nigel Farage weren't expecting to win. And the question of what happens next, as we've seen recently, is a cause of great concern for the United Kingdom and Europe. Another cause of great concern for the world was the election of Donald Trump. I watched his, uh, his inauguration in January of this year, and the analysts were saying that never in US history has there been, ever been such a contrast between an outgoing and incoming administration. With Donald Trump as president, as we've seen during his time in charge, these are very worrying times for many people in the world. But when these unpredictable events happen, we see the financial markets in crisis as currencies tumble, 
due to the uncertainty surrounding these events. So these are very fearful, fearful and troublesome times in which we live. So what is going on and where will it all end? Well the Bible tells us that it is God who rules in the kingdoms of men. The prophet Daniel says this to King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 2 verse 20. Daniel Anson said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his, and he changeth the times and the seasons, he removeth kings and setteth up kings, he giveth wisdom unto the wise, and knowledge to them that know understanding, he revealeth the secret and deep things, he knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. And in 2 Chronicles 20 verse 6, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven, and rulest thou not over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee. So um, Donald Trump is president of the US because God has put him there to fulfill his plan and purpose. It's not up to us to question why. Britain's leaving the European Union because it's part of God's plan and purpose. God uses nations and leaders of the world to work out and fulfill his plan and purpose for the earth, which is the return of Jesus and the establishment of God's kingdom on earth. I'd just like to look at two prophecies from scripture which show God's hand in action in the kingdoms of men and how he sets up and removes kings. So the first prophecy is to be found in Ezekiel 29. It's a prophecy concerning Egypt. Now in verses 13 to 15 of this chapter, Ezekiel 29, it says, Yet thus saith the Lord God, At the end of forty years will I gather the Egyptians from the people whither they were scattered, and I will bring again the captivity of Egypt, and will cause them to return into the land of Pathros, into the land of their habitation, and they shall be there a base kingdom. It shall be the basis of the kingdoms, neither shall it exalt itself any more above the nations, for I will diminish them, that they shall no more rule over the nations. So, God is saying here that Egypt will be brought low. It will be made a base nation because of the extravagant pride of Pharaoh. Now he boasted of the strength of his kingdom, and ancient historians tell us that Pharaoh even boasted that even God himself could not dispossess him of the kingdom the fact was that he had been put there by God and now because of his, his arrogance God was going to remove him now in the early verses of this chapter Ezekiel tells Pharaoh that with as much ease as a fisherman catches a fish God would send him and his people into captivity and that Egypt would be devastated they would be taken into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians until the fall of the Chaldean Empire. Ezekiel then prophesies that Egypt will become a kingdom again, but that it will never regain its ancient political importance, and that over time it will become the basis of all kingdoms. And that is exactly what has happened. Egypt today is a base nation. It does not have the political importance that it had in its ancient times. The second prophecy as we read at the start, um, is about the city of Tyre, which was a Phoenician city on the Mediterranean coast, which had a great hatred towards Israel because of 
and because of this, God said it would be destroyed. Now in verses 2 and 3 of Ezekiel 26, it says that Tyre had triumphed over the destruction of Jerusalem. And because of this, God was now against them and would use the great leaders of the world at that time to destroy them. Let's just read verses 2 to 5 again of Ezekiel 26. Son of man, because that Tyrus has set against Jerusalem, a heart she's broken, that was the gates of the people, she's turned unto me, and shall be replenished, now she's laid waste. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Tyrus, and will cause many nations to come up against thee, as the sea causeth his waves to come up. And they shall destroy the walls of Tyrus and break down her towers. I will also scrape her dust from her and make her like the top of a rock. It shall be a place for the spreading of nets in the midst of the sea. For I have spoken, it saith the Lord, and it shall become a spoil to the nations. So first of all, God used Nebuchadnezzar to destroy the mainland of Tyre. In Ezekiel 26, verses 7 to 9, it says, For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will bring upon Tyrus Nebuchadrezzar, king of Babylon, king of kings, from the north, with horses and with chariots, with horsemen and companies, and much people. He shall slay with the sword thy daughters in the field. He shall make a fort against thee, and cast a mount against thee, lift up the buckler against thee. And he shall set engines of war against thy walls, with his axes he shall break down thy towers. So in these verses, the prophet Ezekiel is saying that Nebuchadrezzar will conquer Tyre, and other nations would also fight against it. It will be made flat like the top of a rock. It will be a place for spreading nets. The stone and timber of Tyre will be thrown into the sea, and it will never be rebuilt. Now Ezekiel wrote this prophecy between 587 and 586 BC and in 573 BC Nebuchadrezzar and the Babylonians began a 13 year siege of Tyre which lasted from 586 to 573 BC however there was a little island off the coast of Tyre and all all the inhabitants fled with all their riches across to this island So when Nebuchadrezzar eventually broke through the walls of Tyre, he found the city empty and left empty-handed. But notice in verse 3 of Ezekiel 26 how God says he will bring many nations against Tyre. In 332 BC, Alexander the Great conquered the island of Tyre and brought an end to the Phoenician Empire. He conquered it by throwing all the stone and timber that was left from the original site of Tyre into the sea and building a causeway across to the island. He marched his army across and conquered the island of Tyre. Tyre has never been rebuilt and is now a place where fishermen spread their nets. So here in the example of Tyre we see God using nations and leaders of the world to fulfill his plan and purpose. So coming back to the present day events, all these momentous events that we've seen happening over the past few months and years, uh, the Lord God in a sense moving his chess pieces into position. The events we see happening in the world are moving us ever nearer to the return of Jesus Christ. Now, 
I mentioned earlier about the, the rise in Islamic fundamentalism that we've seen during the 21st century. In a speech to the Central Intelligence Agency a few weeks ago, sorry, a few months ago, the President stated that it was one of the greatest threats the world faced and promised to wipe ISIS from the face of the earth. But what is the, the root cause of this hatred that groups like ISIS, Al-Qaeda, etc., has towards the US and the West? Well, in an interview in 1998, Osama bin Laden stated why he hated the United States and the West so much. This is what he had to say. He says, the American imposed himself upon everyone. Americans accuse our children in Palestine of being, uh, our children in Palestine of being terrorists, those children who have no weapons and have not even reached maturity. At the same time, Americans defend the country, the state of the Jews, that has a policy to destroy the future of these children. We are sure of our victory against the Americans and the Jews, as promised by the Prophet. Judgment day shall not come until the Muslim fights a Jew, where the Jew will hide behind trees and stones, and the tree and the stone will speak and say, Muslim, behind me is a Jew, come and kill him. It's obviously a bit strange words, but basically the fact that Israel exists today and the Palestinians have been forced out of what they perceive as their own land is one of the main reasons behind this hatred. But the fact that Israel exists today is proof that God is in control in the kingdoms of men. The Palestinians claim the land of Israel is theirs, but God has clearly stated whose land it is. God promised the land to, of Israel to Abraham and his descendants. We read all this in Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 to 16. <coughs> and the Lord said to Abraham, after that lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art northward and southward, and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, to thy seed forever. I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. As we can see from this chart, the problem lies in the fact that Abraham is the father of both the Jews and the Arabs. Both the Jews and the Arabs consider Abraham to be the father of their nations. But the seed that God is speaking of in these three verses is clearly the Jewish race. The promises of God are made to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. We read of these promises in Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 to 5 where it says... Now the Lord has said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee, make thy name great, thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy and five years old, when he departed out of Haram. And then a few chapters further on in Genesis 15 verse 5, read of more promises that God made to Abraham. It says, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. He said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And finally, Genesis chapter 17, verse 5, 
Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. I will make thee exceeding fruitful, I will make nations of thee, kings shall come out of thee, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and my seed after thee, in their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting position, and I will be their God. So what promises from God to Abraham do we find in these verses? Well, firstly, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you, make your name great, and in you shall all families of the earth be blessed, that his descendants will be as numerous as the stars of heaven, and Abraham was to receive an everlasting promise and a very special descendant. So all of God's promises were made through Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. On the chart again we can see that Jacob changed his name to Israel and Jacob's sons were the foundation for the twelve tribes of Israel. And the very special descendant that was promised to Abraham was the Lord Jesus Christ. So God's answer is that the land of Israel belongs to the Jews. It was God who scattered the Jews from their land in AD 135 it was God who brought the Jews back to their own land of Israel in 1948. They did not do it of their own accord. It was God working in the kingdoms of men to fulfill his plan and purpose for the earth. Now in Deuteronomy 28, and verses 64 to 67, it says this, And the Lord shall scatter thee among all people, from the one end of the earth even to the other, there thou shalt serve other gods, which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, even wooden stone. And among these nations shalt thou find no ease, neither shall the soul thy foot of rest. For the Lord shall give thee there a trembling heart, failing of eyes, sorrow of mind. Thy life shall hang in doubt before thee, thou shalt fear day and night, shalt have none assurance of thy life. In the morning thou shalt say, Will God it were even, at even thou shalt say, Will God it were morning. For the fear of thine heart wherewith thou shalt fear, for the sight of thine eyes which thou shalt see. As we know, the Jews wandered and suffered greatly for nearly 2,000 years, but none more so than during the first part of the 20th century and the, the Nazi Holocaust, when nearly 6 million Jews were murdered. And these words that we've read in Deuteronomy 28 describe the Holocaust perfectly. As we know, the Second World War saw some of the darkest days in human history. But as we read in Daniel chapter 2, God setteth up kings and removeth kings to fulfill his plan and purpose. And that means the good and the bad. So the leaders during the Second World War were put there by God to fulfill his plan and purpose, which included the restoration of the state of Israel three years after the end of the Second World War. And in Ezekiel chapter 38, God prophesies of this restoration of Israel. In, sorry, Ezekiel chapter 37, Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 12 to 14. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come apart of your graves. 
and bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves. And shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then ye shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. And it's important to us that the nation of Israel has been reborn because God tells us in the Bible that when we see Israel reborn and flourishing as a nation, then the return of Jesus and the establishment of the kingdom of God on earth is very near. Now in the Bible, Israel is often referred to as a fig tree. Hosea 9 verse 10 says, When I found Israel, it was like finding grapes in the desert. When I saw your fathers, it was like seeing the early fruits on the fig tree. And in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus gives his Mount Olivet prophecy. He foretells all things that will happen in the world before he returns. And in verse 32 of Matthew 24, Jesus speaks of the fig tree Israel. He says, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branches yet tender, put forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Jesus is saying here that when you see Israel reborn and flourishing as a nation, or when you see all the momentous events happening in the world, then know that my return is near. Jesus will return to the earth very soon to establish the everlasting kingdom of God on earth. And we cannot have 100% certainty that this will happen because the Jews have survived, the nation of Israel has been reborn, and just like the fig tree in the summer, is now a flourishing nation. But, as I'm sure we are all far too aware, Israel has enemies on every side at the moment. And Bible prophecy tells us that some very difficult times lie ahead for the nation of Israel. Zechariah chapter 14 verses 1 to 3 says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, the city shall be rifled, the houses rifled, the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity. And the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle these verses are saying that in the very near future God will bring all nations against Israel to battle Israel will be defeated, taken into captivity God will then send his son the Lord Jesus back to the earth to save his chosen people and establish his kingdom on earth a kingdom which we can all be part of if we are baptised into the saving name of the Lord Jesus. Mark 16 verses 15 and 16 Jesus says to his disciples Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptised shall be saved. So if you want to be part of God's plan for the future there are three, three important things we all need to do. We need to accept the true teachings of the Lord Jesus, be baptised into his saving name, and live a life that is pleasing and acceptable to God. So, what in the world is going on? As we looked at this afternoon, 
It is God that rules in the kingdoms of men. He sets up kings and he removes kings. We can have the utmost confidence that although the world seems in a mess, God is in complete control. He uses the rulers and nations of this world to carry out his will and his plan and purpose for the earth, which as we said already will be the establishment of his kingdom. A kingdom where there will be no more sorrow, no more sighing, and even death itself will be done away with, an eternal paradise on earth. So what a great hope for the future God is providing us with. So as we continue to see the troublesome and turbulent events, turbulent events in the world happening around us, let's always remember what God has in store for us. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city in New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself shall be with them, and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, videos, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirtchristadelphians.org.uk. Music